eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak in a postseason edition without any Black and Gold involvement. But there's still other things to talk about. Uh, We'll get into the divisional round and what happened there. A few things in the coaching, well, in the coaching front on offensive coordinator, at least. And then uh, I know we've got some audio of a conversation we have with Scott Shanley. And we'll get into some of Jeff's needs for this team coming up for next season. And I don't know, I kind of joke with you and said, I was like, man, there's a lot. And you're like, well, not really a lot. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it as there's there's a lot of things you can do, but when I say positions of need, I mean like you need to address this right now. Like this is not an option. It's not you're looking at it and be like, well, we could let it ride. Like, no, 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 no. You need Lost. to fix it. And there's only a couple it. positions that I look at like that. Um, and then there are a handful of other positions that, you know, I would, you know, for example, like tight end. I don't think anyone's going to look at tight end and say like, oh, if they don't get another tight end, they're, they're in serious trouble. But I really would love to right, be one of these low, teams right. in the playoffs. <laughs> that has these star tight ends. And we're going to talk about the division around here for a second. And, uh, you know, that's a major theme is like, look at all these great tight ends and all these teams that are still playing football with all these. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah. We, we talked to Scott Shanley uh, on WWE radio on Friday. So 
I kind of trimmed that down so we can play that here. He had some interesting things today about the coach to say about the coaching search, you know, where, where this team is, where he sees it, obviously, you know, he was a former linebacker, so he has some insight there. Um, but yeah, this first segment, I want to get into the latest on the coaching search, the offensive coordinator search. There've been a couple hires that are worth noting, um, you know, and, and we'll get into that, but first of all, the, the divisional round, you know, what the 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 lions are kind of fascinating to me in that lions bucks matchup was particularly interesting because you know saints played the lions saints played the bucks that was a close game kind of got away from the bucks at the end there uh we saw todd bulls do something that was very un todd bulls like and i think it's all i i, I think he and T, D, dennis allen are very similar uh where they make decisions that don't, you know, sometimes they do stuff, sometimes they don't. And it does seem to be like they get caught up in the moment. Like, I don't think like the Bucks did the thing that the Packers did to the Saints in this game where they were down 14 going, you know, in the final couple of minutes and they scored a touchdown and they went for two. And it's something like very, there's something just very untaught bulls like about that decision. And I thought it was interesting because it's like, you know, Dan Campbell would do that 10 times out of 10. And it did seem like Todd Bowles was trying to out Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell in that moment, Dan Gamble, if you will. <laughs> but, you know, it didn't didn't end up mattering. They missed that two point conversion. But I do appreciate that, like people have now come to terms with the fact that like the math does the math does support that. <laughs> um, but, you know, the Lions won, the Ravens won, the 49ers won and the Chiefs won, which you know, only one higher seeded team actually lost uh, in that round. And it was the team with Matt, Pat Mahomes on it. So it's not exactly a stunner. But, you know, I think there's some some there's some themes with these teams, right? <laughs> you have a quarterback, <laughs> you know, that you trust a veteran quarterback in most cases, right? Like like in, in all cases, really. But, you know, you have you have running games, uh, you know, you, you have defenses that can cover. Um, and, you know, the, the X factor to me was always going to be Lamar Jackson, whether he could get to a Super Bowl healthy because Lamar Jackson in the playoffs is a different player. And I still have, they're still my pick. I think the Ravens are going to win it all. Definitely look, you know, super impressive. And, you know, Lamar got that whole stigma around him over and done with, with, you know, being the postseason kind of deal. And I just think obviously it, he's got a much better team around him too right now helping him out offensively but you you mentioned too a little bit about tight ends and i'm just thinking about back to the uh bucks and lions game kate otten and laporta like two two young guys uh you know getting it really really important uh pieces in the in those playoff games and you know we kind of i still feel like the saints have that kind of piece in a guy like Jawan johnson and then for whatever reason i don't know what if that injury just hampered him more in the beginning of the year or not. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in the, in the last segment. Um, but no, I agree. I mean, it's not even, you know, look at Dalton Kincaid and, and Travis Kelsey, right? <laughs> right. There's you another know, one. You look at the Ravens and like Isaiah likely is catching the touchdown, but that's a team that, that is yeah. playing without Mark Andrews, right? Like Mark Andrews is a mass. Mark Andrews missed half the season and he's still out, like had better numbers and catches receptions and touchdowns than Javon Johnson. Right. You know, it's, it's a theme. It's not a, it's not a one-off like all of these teams, even like, like the Packers with, with Luke Musgrave, he was a second round pick. Like he's a high end pick, you know, like he's going up against George Kittle. So it's, it's only, you know, it's only the saints 
that seem to think, at least in terms of successful teams in the NFL, right? Even Dalton Schultz, like the, the Texans got a lot out of Dalton Schultz this year. It's just sure. like the Saints are the team that seems to be trying to go cheap at tight end. And all of these other teams are are kind of finding premium assets at tight end. And it's working out for them. Um, and wasn't it's it nice when the Saints were the team that had the tight end you couldn't cover? You know, I think that's part of the reason everyone was excited that Jimmy Graham was coming back because it reminded them right. of that era when the Saints had tight ends that impacted games. And right now they're the team that doesn't have a tight end, a tight end impacting games. Right. And it's a little frustrating, obviously, when this year's draft class, this last one was so stocked oh, with man, so many. Right. And you, you didn't get any. Like, I want Brock Bowers, man. I, I, if he drops to 14 and they don't pick Brock Bowers, I'm going to throw a rock through a window <laughs> somewhere. Um, but, all right, let's – you know, one of the one of the things that is interesting and will we'll kind of tie into the coaching search here is after the divisional round, you can start to interview coaches on playoff teams. And for, you know, for four of the playoff teams, that they lost. So there's no interference whatsoever. And then the other four teams – you know, this is the part of the year where you're like, this is kind of annoying – you're, you're going into your biggest game of the year and suddenly your assistant coaches start getting pestered by other teams. Seems weird. To, like, I don't understand. Is it really like I get it because you're by the time the Super Bowl comes around, you're looking at it and saying, well, the senior bowl's right around the corner. You know, the combines right around the corner. All these pro days are coming up. But can't you wait until the NFC championships are over? These four teams are going into their biggest games of the season. Now, you have a week off between the NFC championship, the AFC championship and the Super Bowl. So why can't that happen? Like, why can't the four teams like you sh like the NFL shouldn't should just say, hey, leave those four teams alone. <laughs> Bother them next week. <laughs> right. They got a little bit other, you know, other stuff on their mind at the just moment. Just a little, just a little bit. Like, it just seems so odd to me that and like the coaches don't really have a choice because if they don't take these interviews now then who's to say these these teams don't move on in their search if like Joe Brady's getting head coaching and I guess he's not a good example because they lost but you know it, it's it's just kind of strange um but either way that does open and you know I think this was the week one of the reasons I wasn't really that annoyed at the Saints taking their time was because you couldn't you know 25% of the NFL's coaches were not eligible to be interviewed until this week <laughs> so you know, that's kind of your deadline of like, we need to be well into this search and ready to go. Um, like someone was complaining to me a couple weeks ago that, oh, someone's going to get hired prior to the Saints having a chance at them. Right. And I was like, I don't think that's going to happen. And so Shane Waldron, you know, and that's the, where we can go first. Shane Waldron, who the Saints have requested to interview. And as far as I know, they did interview um, as is expected to be hired as the Bears as their offense coordinator. And someone replied to an old thread. It's like this as if they were like, oh, this is what I was saying was going to happen. Except I the Saints. But like the Saints did interview him. It's not like they didn't interview like you can't prevent people from taking different situations. And I think when you look at it, it's kind of funny because one of the reasons that I thought Shane Waldron made a lot of sense for the saints is because Dennis Allen's situation is kind of tenuous, right? You don't, I don't know what this is going to look like 12 months from now, but there's a lot riding on this season. And I want someone who can hit the ground running. You know, what other team is in a very similar situation regard as in regard to their head coach at the very least is the bears. And, uh, and Matt Eberflus, right? So it makes sense that they would also be looking at Shane Waldron. And if you, when you look at the Saints situation compared to the Bears situation, it's not hard to understand why one is a little bit more attractive than the other. 
because one, you have the number one overall pick. So you could potentially go get Caleb Williams and go from there. Or you could stick with Justin Fields. If Justin Fields is a guy that you really like and you're Shane Walden, you're like, yeah, now I have the number one pick that we can trade. And then all these other picks I can build from the ground up here. Whereas in New Orleans, it's a bit, you know, like, like I think the Bears situation was always going to be tough. If like, if, if he had offers from the Saints and the Bears, I, I'm not surprised that he picked the Bears. Either way, Shane Waldron's off the table, and he was he was probably at the top of my list personally in terms of the names that we know about. So that's but that's really the only name um, in terms of offensive coordinators that's been hired. So you kind of start from there and move. And then a new name popped up on the Saints list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texans quarterback coach Gerard Johnson. You know, it, Gerard, Gerard's interesting, and a lot of these guys are interesting because. You know, when you when you try to, you know, from our perspective, right, we don't know the conversations that are going on behind closed doors, and, you know, on airline drive. But it's kind of easy to see themes of like the Shanahan and McVeigh coaching trees and, and who you're targeting. There, there seems to be a lot of connections there. But it is funny because Gerard Johnson's connection to the Mike Shanahan coaching tree is Bobby Slowick. Like Mike, like there's at what point are the degrees of separation too much? where this is not a leaf that fell off that tree. It's just a new plant. Uh, because like this is a Bobby Slowick guy. It's not a Mike Shanahan guy, but Bobby Slowick was a Mike Shanahan guy. And that's why Bobby Slowick is getting head coach interviews. Uh, and it is an interesting scenario because I think the Texans, if Bobby Slowick gets hired as a head coach, which seems likely, the Texans would probably want to promote Gerard, Gerard Johnson. Am I saying his name? Yeah, Gerard Johnson. I keep mixing up with Jones. Gerard Johnson to their offensive coordinator, but the timing of that could get complicated because, you know, as we talked about, you know, they don't know whether Bobby, it's not like they're going to hire, elevate Gerard Johnson because they think Bobby's going to get the job because what happens when he does it? And then it, it's very awkward. So Gerard is in this situation where he could take an OC job, but then what happens when the Texans now need an offensive coordinator? It's really kind of confusing. And it does like throw a wrench into the timeline. But yeah, Gerard Johnson is the only real new name we know about that that they've requested to interview. Little but Texas A&M handle. connection there. Hmm? Little Texas A&M connection there for DA. Yes. There are a couple of Texas A&M uh, names that I think are interesting. But yeah, he went to Texas A&M. Uh, I don't know if he ever coached at Texas A&M. He did not. But he, he played for several teams in the NFL. I'm going to go and, and then several teams that are not in the NFL. I'm just going to go down this list because I think it's funny. Starting in 2011, he was with the Hartford Colonials, then the Philadelphia Eagles, then the Arizona Rattlers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Sacramento Mountain Lions. We're only up till 2012. This is a year. Uh, Seattle Seahawks in 2013, Chicago Bears from 2013 to 2014. Then the Montreal Alouettes were through 2014. Now it's been three years. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens in 2016. So he was out of football in 2015. Then he was with the Ravens in 2016. Then the Cowboys also in 2016. And then his most recent as a player was the YCF grit. I don't even know where that is in 2018. Let's see. Your call football was an interactive competition in which participants called plays in real time for a series of live exhibition American football games with players, some of whom have played in the NFL and CFL. Yeah, it lasted one year. <laughs> it did not go I'll anywhere. Make it, uh, this, the positive spin I'll put on all that is the man loves so football so much, he's willing to do anything to play, no he's matter where. 
Right. He's a lifer. I'll give you that much. But yeah, he he spent 22 as the assistant quarterbacks coach in Minnesota. So that's another kind of connection because Kevin O'Connell um, fell off the, uh, I always forget, is it the McV- McVay or Shanahan tree? Um, let's see. Kevin O'Connell. He came off of the yeah McVay. So he was with the Rams. He was their offensive coordinator in 2020, 2021. So you kind of, you kind of double up there, right? Maybe that's, maybe, you know, you're not on one tree or the other, you know, <laughs> but you get a little bit of both. Cause you get Bobby Slowick who is from the Shanahan tree and you get Kevin O'Connell who is from the McVay tree and then they kind of all coalesce. So that's, you know, if, if the saints are looking at it and that's kind of the question is, do you want to go, with a, a more established offensive coordinator who has done it before, has called plays, has maybe maybe didn't succeed in their first role and learn from their mistakes, uh, or do you want to go with the young guy who is kind of a more a wild card? And I'm kind of of two minds about it, but personally, with a lot of the headwinds you're going to be flying into, I kind of like someone who's done this before. Um, so that's where you are. But yeah, the other guys. Dan Pitcher, we talked about in the last episode, and Zach Robinson, um, you know, again, McVeigh guys. So, yeah, like you mentioned, that's how I feel with Johnson, too. It's like, okay, yeah, nice young up and comer. I see the vision there, but the fact that he's never done it before kind of a little bit of a turnoff, and maybe you need to get more experience. Like you said, if he can elevate in Houston. Uh, to an OC there to get to get some reps, <laughs> I guess you would say. But I don't I don't want the Saints to be his first offensive coordinator, a coordinating gig. I mean, I think it it really just depends on how how much he kind of blows you away in the interview process, right? Like if he shows up and and just we were, you just kind of leave like wow, you know? Right. This is but, what Derek Carr in this offense needs. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying like if I had my pick, it would be someone who's been there. The one, the guy I'm kind of surprised they haven't lined up for an interview is Greg Olson, the Seahawks quarterbacks coach, because obviously he's available. Um, he's been an offensive coordinator before. He is a McVay guy, and he's also worked with Derek Carr before. So like, it seems. It seems odd to me they're not interviewing him. Maybe it didn't go well with Carr. Maybe that's why, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe they asked Derek about Greg and he was like, yeah, no, this, exactly. this is not the commentator, Greg Olson. This is a coach. Um, but there's a few others, you know, the only guy from the Lions that seems interesting is Tanner Engstrand. He's their pass game coordinator now. Um, he's obviously not a McVay guy, not a, not a Shanahan guy. So you'll have to see, but I also think that, the Lions are going to be the next team that starts to get plucked away from. Because man, yeah, because- I, I, you got to say like Goff, not not never been a huge fan of his, but he looks really damn impressive this season. And obviously in the in this, that postseason matchup against the Bucks, he was de- like just throwing dimes. It was it was an amazing to see. And I was like, this is Jared Goff. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he's a number one overall pick, so it's not like you're you turned you know. <laughs> right, just- he's been to a super bowl right he played he was dc he was good with the rams he wasn't great with the rams uh but no i think like that's you know ben johnson he's the one of the hottest names in the head coaching cycle because of what he's done for jared goff shane waldron was one of the first pl- guys to get hired as an offensive coordinator because and not necessarily because the seahawks were incredible on offense but because he was able to take geno smith and turn him into a starting quarterback or pro bowl caliber quarterback right so that helps and i think anyone associated with the lions passing game right now is going to be a name you look at 
Um, and it's also because of a culture thing. Like Dan, Dan Campbell has built the type of culture in Detroit that you want pieces of. And so, you know, I think that's why it's difficult to maintain uh, success over long periods of time, because when you're good for a long period, your coaches start getting plucked away. Um, so I think Tanner Engstrand is an interesting one. He's a guy, for example, that you wouldn't have heard previously in terms of Saints requesting to interview them because you can't interview coaches in the playoffs prior to the divisional round. I'm not, he hasn't been requested yet. I'm just saying that's a name that I wouldn't be surprised if they take a look at. Um, the other guy I'm really interested in, and it's going to be a question of what the Bills do, is Joe Brady. Um, Joe Brady is their interim offensive coordinator. And I think in order to prevent him from being interviewed, the Bills would have to announce that he is their full-time offensive coordinator. They would have to they would have to make that official. Um, but I, I'm not entirely sure how that works. I'm not entirely sure if they have to do that first or if they get some some time because I don't he has been interviewed in the head coaching cycle. I think he was with the Falcons, he got an interview. Um but you know, if he if the if the Bills decide no, we're gonna go a different direction with the offensive coordinator, he's not going to stay on that staff. He's going to get hired either as a as as an offensive coordinator somewhere. There's way too open it, too many openings. And I think the Saints should take a long look at him if they can. I mean, this is a guy who did struggle with the Panthers. You know, he was the offensive coordinator um, with Matt Rule. It didn't go well, but I don't see that as disqualifying. I just think the Panthers suck. Like, I think the Panthers have failed at so many different things. And I think what you saw with the Bills this year was was interesting. He's obviously got familiarity with the Saints. You would call him a, a Sean Payton. He would, you would call him a member of the Sean Payton tree. Um, and so if he is available to be interviewed and again, I would expect the bills to keep him and, and elevate him to the full-time offensive coordinator. But if he's available, I want them to take a long look at Joe Brady too. Yeah, It's kind of almost, you know, going back to, you say with Joe Brady and his run with the, the stint with the Panthers, you kind of chalk it up with, well, you know, Derek, uh, Dennis Allen's run with the Raiders. It was such a dysfunctional kind of organization. Yes, it happened, and obviously it's a part of your quote-unquote permanent record, but I'm really not going to hold it against you at all. No, you have to prove that you learned from it. Sure, right? right. <laughs> if you do the same thing again, then uh, yeah. And and that's what a lot of people are saying about Dennis Allen is he's just doing the same thing again, except you know he never got to 9-8 and eight with the Raiders. So saying. you can look at it and say he has gotten better year over year. So I don't know. You know, and it's something that that's, but that's why the the situation is tenuous. That's why a guy with some offensive coordinator experience walking into that building for the first time would make me feel a little better about it. That's not to say a new guy, a guy in his first year as an OC can't get it done. Um, but you know, I think that if you were starting, that's why you know when you brought in Dennis Allen, I wouldn't have hated to see you pair him with a first time offensive coordinator in year one. Right in year three, it's a lot more difficult because. You want to allow that guy, if you're hiring a first-time offensive coordinator, you can't expect him on day one to not have any kind of learning curve. Uh, and in year one under a head coach, you can say, like, it's okay. You know, you're going to get some stuff wrong. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get better over time. You can't really do that this year. And so I think that narrows down your pool of guys you could potentially bring in. Um, a few other names that I don't necessarily think they're going to look at, but could. You know, David Girardi is the Kansas City quarterbacks coach. I don't think you're going to look at guys like Brunel or Gracie. 
um, I think you're, if you're going to hire someone, you're going to hire someone who's going to kind of make over things. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury is interesting. He was in the, he was kind of in the conversation for the bears uh, offense coordinator job. They obviously are going to go with Waldron, but he's an interesting name. He played here, right? He, uh, this, this, he was a backup quarterback for the saints way back when uh, there are some pictures. Um, and then you got other guys like Kellen Moore, Eric B guys that have done it multiple times. If you're just trying to, if, if you're, if your plan is if some of these other hires fall through and you're like, yeah, but we can, hi- we can pair Dennis Allen with an experienced offensive coordinator who, you know, has some skins on the wall, as Bobby would say, who you trust to be able to command a room. You know, those are guys who I could see kind of uh, working their way into the conversation later. Uh, but right now we only have those four names, which as we mentioned, Shane Waldron, uh, is expected to be hired by the Bears, and then Dan Pitcher, Gerard Johnson, Zach Robinson. Yeah, uh, we we heard from Mickey Loomis, obviously too, saying that they're in. They're in no rush to do this. It's going to be a pretty, I don't want to say long process, but a methodical, thought out, really well researched one. I I, I just think, uh, yeah, the Saints won't be done uh, till the divisional round uh, to, to this championship weekend is even done there's there's going to be names on these teams uh that are involved right now that they're interested in obviously yeah we'll, we'll see how that goes i i think this is the week that it starts heating up significantly in terms of you're getting a much closer you're, you're getting a much clearer picture of like who are the finalists right and then maybe next week when you get into the the break between the nfc championship and the super bowl You'd like to see them make a hire. I, I think you want, you know, the Saints view the Senior Bowl as such an important scouting event. I think You're that's right. probably where I would look at and say this is where you you would want to have someone hired by then. Um, just so you can have an idea of what your offense is going to look like, what maybe what positions maybe that you need to make some changes at. Like if your blocking schemes are going to change, do you need to look at, you know, offensive linemen who can do different things or, you know, yeah, you get the idea, right? Like tight ends. Um, if you're really considering a quarterback at 14, you know, a guy like Michael Penix is there. Uh, so that's someone you probably take a long look at. But, you know, uh, Bo Nix is also also there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, the, like the Bears hire, again, the Bears hire, hiring Shane Waldron is early in that process, obviously. And that's kind of the situation that, like, the Saints weren't going to rush. So, like, and that's, this is where Mickey is, right? Like, the Saints weren't going to be like, oh, the Bears are going to hire Shane Waldron. We need to rush and, and get out ahead of them so we can hire this guy. No. They're going to take their time. They're going to make sure that they they interview everybody. And um, I don't think, you know, like, again, you're talking about the team with the number one pick in the draft and with multiple first-round picks. Uh, it's like you could, you're you trying to compete with a team that can say, you want Caleb Williams? We can go get him. That's well, a and, tough. <laughs> and, and obviously, I think for... Even, you know, obviously Dennis Allen, you look at him right now, he, he's got to make the right choice here because this could be his his last freaking rodeo as a head coach. Who knows if you get a another shot after oh, this? You don't. you don't. You don't. So it's like There's I got to no, make this work. There is no third chance for Dennis Allen un- unless things – I mean, like, obviously if things turn around this year and he goes, you know, 11, 12 wins and makes the playoffs – but like at that point you wouldn't be getting fired. Right. Like, so there's no third chance. If, if this thing goes badly um, and like he gets fired, it's, 
you're you're a defensive coordinator for the rest of your career. This is your last chance to get a head coaching gig. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like as you, you mentioned there. It's like he obviously would have to go back to being a DC first, but who the hell knows? Yeah, I, I would I would think though too that you know you're going to be remembered for your failures with the Raiders and then the Saints. People want to give Josh McDaniels a job. Supposedly he might be the OC with Bill Belichick in Atlanta. Well, no, he could be an offensive coordinator. <laughs> sure. But no one's hiring Josh McDaniels. I mean, remember when Josh McDaniels got hired by the Colts and then just like never showed up? <laughs> yes. Like there's it's it's wild. Like people say like Dennis Allen, whatever, probably didn't deserve another head coaching job. And he he it, it at least made sense why they went to him. Like he was the internal candidate uh that they knew him they knew incredibly well and felt comfortable with. Whereas like the Raiders just hired Josh McDaniels, which like he also did not deserve another head coaching job. And like the Colts, he literally just backed out on a job with the Colts. And the Raiders still hired him. I don't know why people keep hiring Josh McDaniels, but if he shows up with Bill Belichick, like, yeah, Bill Belichick will probably just say, yeah, Josh, come coach my offense. Why the hell not? It's worked before. Um, it's worked so well that he's got multiple head coaching jobs because of it. Thank you, Tom. It's, we should start calling it the Tom Brady coaching tree and not so much the Bill Belichick coaching tree. There you go. Now, you, now that's the the key right there for sure. That's become my new theme is talking shit about Bill Belichick. I don't know why. Because you realize we're going to have to be facing him twice a year. Well, well I mean, it, it kind of doesn't look like that anymore. It kind of looks like the Falcons backed out of that in terms of their, their high, they're interviewing everybody. Their, their net is wide and long. <laughs> I feel like every time I, every, every, every time I go into Twitter, it's a new, it's a new head coach graphic, which can we stop the graphics? Do we need a, do I need a graphic that says we interviewed Bill Belichick for a second time? We, like we've what? completed, right. We've completed the second interview with head coach. Okay, cool. What a, you don't see the saints doing that shit. I, no, give that I, I don't like, that's so strange to me. Like right. the chargers do it too. Now, is that like an NFL thing? Did the NFL say you have to, it's like, it's like teams wanted to make it very clear that they were complying with the Rooney rule, but they knew they could not only tweet out a, a thing that said, we've interviewed Eric B <laughs> or whoever. And so they, they now have to do it for everybody uh, because yeah. of that. Um, it's just strange because like, I don't remember this being a thing before, but now it's like, there's someone in the, in the graphics department and the social media department, who's like full-time job is like, Oh, we interviewed this guy. Make me a graphic. So strange. No. no and you would think like some things you would keep, want to keep on the low and you having a second interview with a, someone, I don't think you'd want to broadcast to everyone. I, I don't know. Yeah. Do, you don't have weird. to tell anybody. Right. It's are you doing it for the attention? I, I don't know. BMI, too much information. <laughs> it's a strange. I don't, I don't. I don't know. It's annoying to me. Um, but it does seem thirsty when you're like, we interviewed this guy again. Are you guys cool about that? Yeah. We just completed our second interview. Okay. And it sucked. <laughs> Tell us how it went. That's what I want. If you're gonna tweet about it, give us your feedback on how the interview went. Then, then we could talk. It was a successful interview. We, that, that, they completed, we completed our second interview. interview with Bill Belichick, and he showed up in flip flops <laughs> and a twenty-eight to three shirt. We did it over Zoom, and he did not put pants on. 
Yeah, I've seen that too. It's like, oh, so-and-so, I don't know which team it was, honestly, had a Zoom interview for their job. And I think, I'm not sure if it was head coach. I think it was OC. But still, that seems to me way too impersonal. It's like, I'm not getting this job if I'm just doing it over a freaking Zoom call. No, I mean, I think I think that's how a lot of the early interviews go. Like, that's what, like, so I think the, the little you know, feeler router kind of deal. Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, especially if this team is still coaching or this, if like, for example, if you're interviewing someone this week and they're in the playoffs, you're not having an in-person interview with that, with, you know, whoever, right? Like, that's almost impossible. Uh, these these teams are so busy right now. They got a playoff. They got a, they got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Playoffs? Anyway. Yo, have you seen that new Jim Mora commercial with Kevin Hart? Plenty of times, yes. It's it's what on hell? like a loop. Man, they really they really went for it with that one. I don't even think like Jim Mora knows what DraftKings is. Um <laughs> And then Kevin Cart's like, who's calling these press conferences? I'm like, well, DraftKings is. Yeah, DraftKings. Uh, oh, one, one more thing. Ryan Nielsen sounds like he's getting hired by the Jaguars. Yeah, um, out from the ATL after one year. Yeah, poor guy. I, you know, and so the Jaguars can can now expect to not get any turnovers. Is that that seems to be the theme with Ryan? I like Ryan, but his I don't know. But now Caden Ellis and David Onyemata are like, what the hell? We came over here for Nielsen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. They'll probably end up in Jacksonville pretty soon. Right. Let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back, uh, play you the interview we did with Scott uh, Scott Scott Shanley. Scott Shanley on Friday. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had some interesting things to, to talk about. You know, he does a lot of the pregame, postgame stuff for the Saints. You know, I, I appreciate that Scott is hanging around because I think he's a good a good NFL mind to, to kind of chat with. Uh, he, he and Lance Moore. I think... You know, between he and Lance Moore, one of those one of those guys is like, you know, should be on TV uh, calling games. You know what I mean? It seems like they both have the the presence, the the knowledge. The quoi, if you will. No, I hear what you're saying, and I know Lance does do stuff for local TV. It's amazing. He does analysis. He has- I want to see him as a, a color commentator, but I guess that's a you know, Deuce does that. He, he he used to do that for the SEC Network, but it's such a it's so it's so time consuming that i know it's it was a burden um but yeah anyway we're we're gonna we'll come back you'll hear from scott and then in the final segment we will hit you with our positions of need breakdown as promised this is inside black and gold if you haven't subscribed yet please do that i'm jeff nowak he is steve geller you can follow me on twitter at jeff underscore nowak follow him at steve geller wwl you can follow the show at saints underscore pod if you haven't subscribed do that please leave a rating leave a review hit us up on youtube at wwl sports ring the bell and we will be right back when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
we're back on Inside Black and Gold. Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. And as promised, let's get into that interview with Scott Shanley. We did it on Friday, hit on several topics around the Saints. You know, uh, the offensive coordinator search, you know, head coach interviews, all that good stuff. So here's that. Your initial reaction to the P. Carmichael news, Saints moving in a different direction, someone that you know very well being on that Super Bowl squad. Was it time, though? It, it just felt like it, I think, with everybody, that there needed to be a change there. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just the nature of the business. You know, Pete is one of the greatest people I've ever been around and one of the most loyal people. He's been there since 2006, and I know he turned down a ton of jobs and a lot of job interviews because New Orleans is where he wanted to be. So from that aspect, it's sad just knowing that, that he chose to stick around as long as he did. But like I said, it's the nature of the business. You saw it when Coach Payton was there. I mean, Coach Payton, every few years, turned over the staff. That's just how it was. And he made some of his best friends really mad at him for a couple of years. I mean, he moved on from Joe Bitt, who was my linebacker's coach. Those guys went all the way back to the 80s when they worked with the Philadelphia Eagles as assistant coaches. So it's just part of the business. And you have to do it to keep things from getting stale. I truly believe that. Sometimes the same message over and over doesn't quite resonate the same as when you have something new and exciting. As you look at this, what is your kind of early leaning in terms of how you do replace that guy? Do you think they go with an established name? Do you think you go with an up-and-coming name? How much change do you think there's going to be? You know, What is your early read on that situation? First thing I, I think of is when you invest the type of money you invested in the quarterback, you're probably looking at an offense that's going to fit him or an offense that he's had success in the past. He's always kind of been a West Coast offensive guy. You know, even at the end of this year, once he became a little healthier and he became familiar with the offense, the timing was there. So I think he fits really well into a West Coast offense. So that'd be my first choice, sticking with, with a West Coast principled offense. But at the same time, I think the West Coast principles are in a lot of offenses. When you look at the Shanahan tree of guys and the McVay tree of guys, there's a ton of West Coast principles in that. And, and I would not be opposed to grabbing somebody from that coaching tree because when you look at that offense throughout the league, I mean, look in Houston, Bobby Slowick was part of that Shanahan tree. You look at McDaniel in Miami. There is a lot to say about that particular style of the West Coast offense and and how much success it's had in the NFL. Scott, we got the word that the Patriots are going to be interviewing Saints linebackers coach Michael Hodges for their defensive coordinator gig under Gerard Mayo. Uh, Just your thoughts on what Hodges has brought to this group. Uh, Definitely a lot of high praise in this room, at least. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at just the consistency of that position group, I think a lot of times people will say, well, yeah, yeah, DeMario Davis, but but DeMario Davis played some of his best football when he got to New Orleans. And DeMario, the last few years, even aging and where he is in his career, he, he doesn't miss a beat. And I think a lot of times people don't give the position coaches enough credit. The guys who on a day-to-day basis are handing out these tips and these sheets and bringing into the to the to the meeting room and putting down in front of guys saying, hey, this is what I found last night. Their right tackle is tipping off plays or their tight end is tipping off plays or when they get in this formation, here's what they're doing. So the position coach can really help a, a person have success. I know I, I took my game to a whole new level when I got to New Orleans and I had Joe Bitt as my linebacker's coach. He was able to reach me in a way that I hadn't had. And so I think it just speaks volumes when you look at him and Pete Warner's played some really good football in Spurs. And if Pete can stay healthy, I think Pete can still really be a really, really good four down linebacker in this league. And he can cover guys in the flat and, and the game has become a two linebacker system yeah. anymore, but even you go to Zach Bond, Zach Bond is not an off-the-ball linebacker, but when he got up on the line of scrimmage and was playing in some of those pressure packages, he did really good too. So I think he's done a great job in that room. 
Sky, I saw you tweeting about this, and it is interesting. You know, it's is this the era of the linebacker head coach? You know, because you said Nico <laughs> Ryan's, Antonio Pierce got the job, Gerard Mayo, obviously in New England, and it, it is interesting because you look at it, it's like, oh, usually you see former quarterbacks. You know, there's certain positions that tend to gravitate toward coaching, but you know, you've seen these kind of linebackers uh, take center stage. And I don't know, is it an energy thing? I'm just curious. You know, why? What? What is it about linebackers that you think uh, kind of gravitates towards that role lately? Yeah, I, I love it. Obviously, playing linebacker. I just think at that position, it, it's a unique position because just playing the game, you have to be extremely versatile. You have to be able to take on 320-pound linemen. You have to be able to cover receivers in the slot, cover running backs. So you're constantly doing things that are out of your element based on your size or your speed. But more than that, it's about communication. At linebacker position, you're, you're constantly talking to everybody around you. You're in the middle of the defense. You're relaying coverage calls with the DBs. You're talking to the defensive linemen, getting them in the right gap. And so I think as a linebacker, just the communication part of the game comes natural. And, and I really like it because you've seen for years where it's a young man's offensive game or quarterback coaches are getting jobs. And D'Amico Ryans, I think, opened a lot of people's eyes. And then Antonio did a great job in his interim role and now Mayo in New England. And, heck, I'll even go – I know he's not a linebacker, but Dan Campbell in Detroit. So I love seeing all these guys who used to be players. I just think – the way the the current player is now, they really trust and relate to guys who who went through the battle. The Dan Campbell might not have played linebacker, but he's a linebacker <laughs> at heart. <I> think. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. I played with Dan in Dallas, and tell you what, Dan Campbell at the time, if you would have told me watching, we used to call him Triple H, the WWE wrestler. because he would walk around with that bottle of water, and he would do hand cleans in the weight room. He would spit water. I, he was always had a had a dramatic flair about him, and I never thought he'd be a head coach, but he, he is a heck of a head coach, and he's got that program rolling. You know, the Packers are on the schedule again next year, so I think it's interesting because I think the the Jordan Love we saw in week three while he showed some flashes he made some plays obviously they won that game but I don't think this Jordan Love we're seeing now uh, looks anything like <laughs> the Jordan Love at the beginning of the season I think he was learning he was he was taking his lumps but I, I do think it's interesting like you need time as a quarterback and the Packers are as good as anyone at making sure you have plenty of time to develop before they throw you into the fire but I'm curious what you know what have you seen from him over the course of the season because it seems like you know a guy who mid-season there was a definitely a lot of doubters in terms of maybe long term in that role and now but what have you seen from Jordan from that week three game to now? He's been remarkable and the, the biggest thing is the game has slowed down to him mm. immensely. And, and every player, you know, I, I certainly remember it's probably year two or three for me and you kinda remember when when it starts to click, when the game actually finally slows down because it's so hectic, it's so fast. And he just the game against the Dallas, he just looked like he was he had Dallas's defense in slow motion and he knew exactly where all the open when knows we're going to be he made all the right reads but honestly getting Aaron Jones back really has made that offense go Aaron Jones is an outstanding running back he can do it all I think having that threat and that running game helped take some pressure off of him for making all the plays as well and he's doing it with, the, with probably the youngest wide receiver core in the NFL so you, I give Jordan Love a, a ton of credit because he, he has become a long way, way since like you said in the middle of the season where there were a lot of doubters but everybody else around him has really elevated their their play and they believe in him and to me once you believe that you have the guy at quarterback everybody's game just goes to another level Scott back to a Saints question for me just curious you know looking ahead uh, going into next season obviously got to get the coaching offensive coordinators uh, and assistants all squared out but for you what is the biggest an area of need for this team going into next year. I know a lot of talk has been about the offensive line. Are you feeling that way as well? 
Yeah, I am. You know, you're asking that question, and I thought, do I want to give this boring answer? Because fans <laughs> hate when you say offensive line. Fans are like, please don't draft an offensive line or defense line. But that's where championships are won. And if you think about three or four years ago when this Saints team was really rolling, and, and I think the Saints arguably had the best offensive line in the league. You had a healthy young Ramchek and Armstead and all those guys, and you just controlled games. Every week you rolled into, it didn't matter if it was home or away, and you knew you could run the ball and you could play great defense. That's how you win 11 games, 12 games in a season. So if, if an outside Standing lineman is there early in the draft. I think it's hard to pass up because you you need that. You need to kind of replenish along that offensive line. But at the same time, I believe this team is still in a position where you can draft the best position available. You don't have to reach. You don't have to reach and fill a position because you just don't have anybody there. It's going to be interesting. I, I think the Saints need to get back to being a little more aggressive. You think back when Sean was there and there were tons of trades in the draft or there were trades in the offseason to kind of bolster positions. I think doing that and letting everybody everybody know, like Mickey said the other day, I got to let everybody know they're not you're not comfortable. Don't right. get comfortable. I think the way you do that is you make trades, you bring guys in, you make some blockbuster trades, and you shake things up. And how do you think that usually gets everybody's attention? Yeah, I know this isn't even a question, but I do think it's an interesting point. Like everyone wants to talk about that 2017 draft. It's like, wow, this is a great draft. You got Alvin Kamara, you got Marshawn Lattimore. Well, another guy you got was Ryan Ramchick, and he was the final pick of the first round. You got that pick. I think it was the Jimmy Grant. No, it was the Brandon Cooks trade. And you know what? When people People look at this team and it's like, well, why isn't this team, why isn't this offense as consistent as what you saw in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020? Well, one of the biggest themes of those four years was that both of your tackles, there was never a question. Those were stud offensive tackles week in, week out. You had Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramchek. And now... You have Ryan Ramchek with a knee that is not doing him any favors. On the left side, you're talking about who knows? Is it James Hurst? Is it Andre Speed? Is it Trevor Penning? To me, that's the biggest difference. And I think a big part in what's prevented them from finding consistency on the offensive side of the ball. There's no question. Absolutely, I agree. I think one of the things that hampers you more than anything in a draft is when you invest your top draft picks in big guys that don't work out. You know, Marcus Davenport, really good player, explosive, had the size, had all the measurables, couldn't stay healthy. But when Marcus was healthy and he played more than two or three games, games in a row he made plays and you know Peyton Turner's had the injury bug on him and pending they're trying to figure out what position he can play anytime you miss on draft picks on big guys up high it's hard to find 320 330 pound guys roaming the earth with nimble feet who can do the things these guys can do and that's why it goes back to Bill Parcells always used to say it he's always going to take big talented guys early because it's harder to find those type of people so I've, I've always just been a believer if you miss early in the draft on big guys offensive linemen defensive linemen it's it's hard to cover up for those mistakes all right, thanks again to Scott Shanley for hanging out, talking about all that good stuff. You know, I, I do think it's interesting with with all these head coaching hires and and the linebacker head coach, it seems to be kind of – I think we go in waves, right? You go in waves, you get all these – you get all these – yeah, you, get, you go in waves. You get all these like nerd offensive coordinator guys going in, and they 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 re- revamp all these offensive systems, and then you go in waves where you get guys like like Mike Singletary, and you know, and now and you got Gerard Mayo, and and even I, I think he's right. Like Dan Campbell is a linebacker in his soul. Whether he played he played tight end in the NFL, but he's always a he's always been that bite your kneecaps off guy. And I think you know D'Amico Ryan's right. I, I think that you're getting into a way of, uh, like this kind of mode now where you need that, you know, especially with, with the way that social media is and there's so many different things kind of capturing people's attention. I just think having that commanding presence as a head coach is might be more important now than it was five, eight years ago when you know it was a lot easier to tune out a lot of the noise. 
I, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's me, but it does seem like a trend. It does seem like a lot of these kind of I wouldn't say yay rah rah coaches, but more intense, like emotional coaches. You know, Antonio Pierce and guys like that. It does seem like they're that's resonating a little more now. Well, but at the same time, you know, the Kyle Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's are still doing they're still doing the job. They're getting the job done. So I don't know. We'll see. But I did think that was an interesting kind of point that we talked about there. It's just kind of odd, too. You start feeling really old when you start seeing these former players now ascending into not just even assistant coaching roles. And it's like head coaching jobs. You're like, damn, I, you know, I remember when kind of thing when he was playing, blah, blah, blah. So but yeah, tons of congrats. The freaking Raiders, man, they actually did the right thing for once. <laughs> yeah, I'm disappointed in them for not doing the wrong thing. You know, it, all right. <laughs> but I mean, it's about time, right? Like they should have done this with Rich, Rich Basashi a few years back. And they completely, you know, not only did they not do the right thing, they hired the worst possible coach. Um, so at least they're kind of learning from their mistakes. But uh, yeah, it, it is it is interesting. And, you know, as you kind of as you kind of go into it. So, yeah, and I, and I agree with that because I've, in the last few years, I've reached the age where when people start talking about, oh, that guy's too old, he needs to retire, they're literally the same age as me. Like, I'm 33 <laughs> right now, and we're talking about Cam Jordan being too old, and it's like this washed like up last, old man, right? Last year was Mark Ingram, right? And everyone's like, oh, he's so old. And I looked down, and I was like, oh, he's 30, 32. Okay. Wait, what? Huh? Like, oh, Cam is like a month older than me. Like, that's we're, we're like the same age. I think he was born in February 1990, and I was born in March. Let's see. I need to double check that. Which Cam is like hanging out in like some other country right now. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. July 10th, 1989. So he's a, he's a, he's a, he's like almost a full year older than me. He's 34 now, but yeah. So he's also been uh, beaten down by the NFL. Yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but he's made a lot more money. He's worth, <laughs> that, that's also true. Very true. <laughs> he's worth significantly more than I am. Uh, you know, he's going on these international trips, having a good time. And he's going to be, I'm sure, you know, we talk about Lance Moore and Scott Shanley and they're, you know, it's only a question of where Cam Jordan's going to be broadcasting whenever he does retire. Man, he's already (laughs) doing like a podcast with the NFL network. So I think he's got like a job built in. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to be a play-by-play commentator somewhere. It's not, not play-by-play color commentator somewhere. Um, it's just a question of which station it's. He, you know, and uh, when he decides to do it, it must be nice, you know, when you re- when you're like, I'm going to retire whenever, but then I'll be like this guy. But hey, you know, you know, since anyone that meets Cam from the first time right off the jump, you just knew he was. I, I was excited. I just remember when he got drafted, his initial interview was like, oh man, he's going to be a ton of fun. It's been a great, obviously, run all over these years, and yeah, you just see now that man, this guy is poised and perfect for some kind of media role and definitely looking forward to seeing what cam does if it's calling games that'll be freaking awesome yeah every every couple of years i'll rewatch the league and every and whenever i get to the jordan the episode with cam jordan and i laugh because he's like it's him it's cam jordan and jordan cameron the tight end and there's like a there's like a a bit where they're trying to figure out which one is which and uh you know i think i can't do it yeah it's funny and he looks so different. <laughs> he's got like the flat top. <laughs> it's, it is it is very funny. I, he's I've also like, a montage of the, the different cam styles of hair throughout the years. It's quite impressive. So I was gonna say like you. I want to yeah. get like a that would be a great poster, right? Yeah. Like a, like a Saints poster of like just 
all the Cam Jordan headshots because they're so distinctive. Like for a while, he was like the, you know, he had the Fu Manchu going and, you know, he was a pirate one year. You know? <laughs> anyway, whatever gets him back to being a, a sack monster, hopefully for next season. Sack monster. Yeah. And uh, that's a good segue. You know, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of these positions that you could make moves on. Defensive ends, an interesting one to me. Um, so let's get into it. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. Subscribe. Thanks again to Scott Shanley for hanging out with us clowns uh, and shooting the shit, if you will. Um, but we'll be right back, get through the positions of need, kind of dip our toes into the water of the draft and all the scouting that's going to happen because we're going to have to get into it. We're going to have a mock draft coming at you soon, and it's going to be wrong. Get ready. <laughs> get ready for that. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. Stick around. Side black and gold. Steve, I tripped my beard. Can you tell me? You had it uh, all nice and bushy for the freeze. Yeah. And now that it's warming up, you can trim it down. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, I think it was. I think it was Fletcher Mack. I didn't realize how how uh, wild and unkept my beard had become until like Fletcher. I think at the facility like a week or two ago was like, Jeff, your winter beard is coming in nicely. And I was your like, winter beard. My winter beard. Meaning you, know, you look like you've been in the Revenant. Please shave. <laughs> yeah. That was the moment where I'm like, oh, people are commenting on it now. I should probably, I should probably do this. I talk on the radio. It doesn't matter what I look like. Right, I can right, look, exactly. I can look completely homeless. Uh, it's only the people on YouTube who actually know what I look like from a day to, on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, you know, now my neck isn't it. Although it is still cold. It was like 30 degrees this morning, so... We'll get into it. I just I had free time, so I did it anyway. I needed you know, people I just to know saw that. the wild weather warm up coming this week is all like in the sixties. I was like, really? Is it? it can, will, can it stay here? Yeah, the winter lasts like a week here, you know. Uh, but but we'll see. I am glad I got I got my my uh, Pelicans Mardi Gras hat. So I'm gonna do the rest of this podcast in this hat. That'll keep you warm. This will keep me warm. I mean, I'm looking forward to wearing this at Mardi Gras because. Um, it's going to be on theme and it'll keep me warm, <laughs> but we'll go. And so this segment, uh, this is inside black and gold. We're going to talk about the saints. Actually. Uh, this is not like a men's grooming podcast, uh, at least not yet. Um, but wait, we're going to talk about positions of need. And, and I went through this morning and I kind of broke down each position. Um, I did include a position called the Taysom. We don't need to worry about that one that you're, they're in good shape at the Taysom. But I am not. I only did that because I'm not including him in the tight end conversation. Now we can include him in the tight end conversation, and I am interested to see whenever they hire an offensive coordinator. One of my first questions will be, what "How do you plan? intend to use Taysom right. Hill?" Because you can't guarantee. You know, it's an interesting conversation because you're going to hire an offensive coordinator, but you're not going to hire an offensive coordinator and say you have to use Taysom Hill in the very specific way we have been using Taysom Hill. And if you don't, you're gone. No, you have to give him the option. Like that's, it's his offense. Does he think the best option is to run QB power 12 times a game? I don't know, but that's going to be a question he's got to answer. Um, so I'm not including Taysom Hill in the tight end conversation, but he might be if the head coach does not like the idea of taking a starting quarterback off the field. And you say you're tight end now. You do need like to like where does Taysom fit in except just his own category? Really nowhere. 
because he's not your backup quarterback. He's not a tight end. He's not a running back. He just kind of does it all wherever you need him at that point. Yeah, I mean, he could be your backup quarterback. Um, but yeah, I mean, it again, that's one of the benefits of keeping Pete Carmichael was you knew exactly what to expect in that regard. You knew exactly how he was going to use Taysom and you didn't have to ask right. any questions. Now it's more of a question. Um, so that's going to be something. But again, like I don't think it, it doesn't really impact this. It's just me explaining when we talk about the tight ends, why I'm not really including him in that because uh, we don't know yet. But so I, the way I broke this down was kind of green. Green means go. Green means you're all good. You know, kind of like the alert system. So green, no alert. You know, you're, you don't really mean to make any changes. Then you're going to have yellow, which is like I, you may spend a premium asset, but you don't have to, right? Like I wouldn't mind to see these positions upgraded, but it's not mission critical. And then I have red alert. And there's only three positions, you know, really two that I think it's like you need to do something here. Like if you go into next year with your roster the way it was, you're going to be in trouble. Um, so the first, the first one, and it's going to annoy some people, but you got to be realistic about it. Is, now, wait a minute. is this just, you're looking at draft or also free agency, just or any kind of need both. really? Both. both. Okay. And mostly draft, mostly draft, but you know, you could also handle it in free agency. The thing is like the saints are never going to be the team that goes all in on free agency. No, right. So if you have a red alert position, it's typically not going to be able to be dra- uh, to be addressed in the in in free agency alone. So, but I am like like for example, linebacker, you know, put the question is do you bring back Zach Bond? Cuz uh, if you don't, then Sam linebacker is like what the hell is going to play your Sam anyway. So that is part of the conversation. Um, but I look at it more in in in, in free agency, I look at it more as in, are you bringing back your own players as opposed to going out and signing somebody as far as this is concerned? But so I'll just go through the greens first. And, uh, you know, the first position that is probably going to annoy some people again is quarterback. You know, I don't think that you have to add a quarterback. I don't think that it's even like a situation where you feel like, you know, oh, we, we, you're, you even have motivation to go out a quarterback. And to me, it's like, if it's not Jaden Daniels, I don't really want him. Um, or Drake may like if one of those two guys falls outside of the top five and you can make a move up and go get them, then I, then I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm listening, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in there, but outside of that, I don't see it. Uh, like, and I don't see, I, even then, I don't know if the price would be right when you have all these other kind of needs or, or wants to spend so much to go get a quarterback. And, you know, it's not only because like, I, I think you got, representative quarterback play out of Derek Carr and you're paying him and you're going to have him around for at least one more year, probably more. It's also like, I don't want to spend premium assets and go up and get a quarterback in a make or break year for my head coach, knowing that I do that. And then next year I'm hiring a head coach and it's like, well, where am I? Right? Like that's, that's a tough situation to be in. And I don't know if you, you know, it's like, you could really like a quarterback, but it's not a question of if he gets to your position, are you going to draft him? It's, are you going to spend the assets to go get them? And I don't think that right. works. Um, and I don't think, I think, and, and I think you're in a scenario where you ride it out with DA and Derek Carr and that's what you're doing. And so if, if you're in a position next year where that worked out and you're drafting the tail end of the first round, cause you made the playoffs, then yeah, great. And if you're, and if that doesn't work and it burns down and it goes down in flames, then next year you're probably going to be in a position to go draft a quarterback. So I don't think it makes sense to do that this year 
unless someone falls into your lap. So that's why I have them in green. And also you have Jay Kaner who should be able to be your backup. So I don't, I don't know. Like, again, it's like in this, in the scope of this conversation, I don't look at it and say, man, quarterback, they got to go get a quarterback. I just, I just don't. Yeah. The thing is too, it's like, do you, you really want to let Dennis Allen make all these moves, give up all these assets to get a quarterback. He might not be around to be the coach for. Oh, right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if, if you're in a situation where in, you know, in 2025, you're going to a rookie, that means that everything went so terribly like this year that you don't see it worth continuing. And if that's the case, then I don't, then I would want the next coaching staff to have an idea of who they're going to draft. Right? right. So if the, if the idea is you're playing, you're making a play for the future, then I don't, I just don't think it fits this year. Um, but we'll see, you know, and, and, and like, if you go and you draft a quarterback in the fourth round again, then you're just kind of restarting that clock. Uh, and like, why did you go get Jake this year? If you weren't going to give him a chance, so I don't, I just don't really see it. I don't think this is the year, but you'll find out. Um, I think Jameis is gone, so maybe that does open up a roster spot. So you could potentially have that third quarterback. But I don't think this team wants to have to carry a third quarterback because they already have Taysom, who can be that emergency third quarterback. So anyway, that's my green. Um, do you have anything else you want to add there? No, just the the yeah the QB position. I'm with you. If you can't get a guy like Jaden, I'm really not that enamored with anyone else in this draft where I was like, you know, it's worth taking a shot on. I mean, there might be that person, but, you know, I've seen even some mock drafts. They had the Saints getting Bo Nix, and that just didn't appeal to me at all. No, it's like if you're going to get a high-end guy, go get a high-end guy. But right. I don't know. Otherwise, it seems like you're just adding a guy to add a guy. So the next few, okay, so defensive end, defensive tackle. I kind of both put these in the green situation. And defensive tackle, I feel pretty good about. You brought in Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard. They improved throughout the course of the year, I thought. You know, maybe didn't get the job done as much uh, earlier in the year, but I think the run game in particular got better, at least run defense. Um, and Brian Brzee is, is a guy who's just continuing to to grow. I think you bring back Malcolm Roach, and we'll see from a rehab perspective. I think you bring back P.J. Mustafer, and I think, he, you know, he's a guy who you kind of work at the tail end of that rotation. But I'm okay with it. Like, I don't think you need to spend a premium asset there. The bigger question is defensive end, and the reason it feels a little bit more um you know important or you know urgent is the injuries right like Peyton just but but I like Peyton Turner you don't really have a choice but to bring him back and hope for the best obviously you can't bank on it in terms of him being healthy because how the hell could you <laughs> but you know Isaiah Foskey is another guy who was injured and you're gonna bring him back he was second round pick and you're talking about you know a kind of a rotation of Cam Jordan Carl Granderson, Isaiah Foskey, Peyton Turner, and then Tano Passigno at the at the back end. And he can also work into your pass rushing uh, scheme and as far as kicking into def defensive tackle. So just in terms of numbers, I don't think that, you know, at least this year, because you're tied to Peyton Turner for one more year, you're not picking up his option. It's just going to be tough for you to add a piece to that rotation. And the only reason you would is because you don't trust Peyton Turner to be healthy. So I don't know. Like, I think you just kind of got to roll with it and see what happens. You might add a piece. You might add a guy. But I also think Zach Bond is going to be re-signed and works back into that role as that specialist pass rusher. So that helps. I just, like, in terms of you're going to go into this draft and unless someone falls to you that you're in love with, I don't I don't think you're going to spend that, like, that 14. I kind of gauge it around that 14th pick or that second round pick. 
And at 14, I just I, like it would have to be someone that you are obsessed with falling to you at 14. Cause, cause I do think you're in decent shape there and you're, you're, you're going to want to spend it somewhere else. Um, but this was the defensive end was on the fringe for me between green and yellow. It's probably the closest to yellow of these green positions for me. No, I'm definitely right there with you just because I, I, I do want to add at defensive end because of the question mark still with Peyton Turner, uh, another Bobby Abearism. He's hell when he's well, but when, I mean, when is he well? That's yeah. that's the rarity with him, unfortunately. Um, hoping the kid can do, you know, turn some things around and and be more active, but we just can't bank on it. That's why I think, you know, sadly continuing to add at that spot is a necessity, even though we've seen a Davenport and, you know, for what you want to say, Turner be unsuccessful high picks for them. Yeah, I mean, I could see you adding to it. I just don't know if it's a premium asset you're spending on it, right? Like, right. I could see, like, there's like a few positions. Something amazing that was like, I can't believe so and so is still here, kind of thing. Is it, well, I mean, there's a few positions where it's like fourth, fifth round. I think you, that's where you might target. I just don't think like first, second round is going to make sense. Um, just because you've spent so much on that position over the last few years. And you just got, you, you have one year here where it's like, okay, can, can Peyton, get his head out of his ass and stay healthy. Right. Uh, can, can Isaiah show something, you know? Um, but we'll see, uh, either way. I mean, and like, we don't have to agree. Like that's, that's, I, I put that in the green, but if you want to put it in the yellow, you very much can. There's two more positions I have in green. One is wide receiver. I feel very good about wide receiver. I think on the offensive side of the ball, that's the position I feel the best about. Uh, I think you move on from Mike Thomas, but I just love the trio of Chris Olave, Rashid G, H.G. Perry, I think their kind of varied skill sets is just perfect in terms of what you want. You have one guy who can take the top off. You have one guy who's an elite route runner who can get open in a phone booth. You have another guy who is six five and can go up and make contested catches and and they can all do other things. They you know, I think Rashid proved this year he can run the whole route tree and he's just gonna get better at that. AT Perry can be a deep threat because you can throw him open. Yeah, you know, he can go make plays where other guys can't get to it. I just think I just really like the build of that wide receiver room. And so like you can add to it, you can add pieces, you know, and and there's players beyond them that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna want veterans, you're gonna want a like a Lynn Bowden, right? You know, maybe you bring back a Keith Kirkwood, maybe you go sign a veteran that that, you know, is uh, you know, like like an Adam Thielen type, like a guy that isn't gonna get paid a ton, but you trust to kind of lead that room. I don't know. Like I, I feel good about that room uh, probably more so than any other position. Yeah. It's something that uh, that's another, you know, spot there though. If somebody happens to, you know, fall to the saints that they'd be interested in maybe not the first round, but I'd even consider second, third round. As high as that I just a to, third round pick. Uh, right. Uh, so a second rounder, even just to add to uh, the threat and the dangerousness of this offense for Derek Carr, um, I'd love to see another piece besides an Olave and Shahid, really. And I mean, obviously, like like you said too, we did see some development from Perry, but I could uh, I could still see another number one type guy on this team. I, I honestly, I don't think you know the the not having the third round pick makes it tough for me. Like I sure right. If they had a third rounder, I could see them spending a third rounder. I have a hard time seeing them going like unless someone fell that you just love again. Like that's always the wild card of like you know a really high grade on someone and they just drop down the board and you get a shot out of whatever. Them. Right. I, I I have a hard time looking at that second round pick, knowing that you don't pick again until the fourth round, and saying yeah they're going to go after a wide receiver here 
when there's a lot of these other positions that you know make would make more sense. But again, it's like you're picking the best player. You're not picking the position. We're just kind of, I'm just kind of setting this in my Bar brain means. so I can, yeah. Um, the only other position I have in green, and it and it's very much on the fringe, is the interior offensive line. But the reason I have it in green is not so much about the position. It's about the fact that the tackles are so important to fix that you almost feel okay with if you end up with Hurst, McCoy, Ruiz, and those like you don't have to play James Hurst at tackle. I feel good about it. If you do have to play Hurst at tackle, then you got to do something at left guard. Um, but that means you didn't bring back Pete. You know, it, there's a lot of variables. I, but I feel okay about the interior offensive line. I'd like to see them assert themselves better in the run game, and I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind adding a left guard that is a, a little bit more high yield than a than a James Hurst. But in terms of like gotta have it, I, I think that position group is okay. O line, it needs some kind of help, and I don't know if that's for me really where you want to go for the draft, just because you're still waiting for your first round pick and Trevor Penning to develop. Well, see, I'm not uh, talking about uh, tackle. I'm talking about interior offensive line. I'm talking about guards and center. Yeah. So you're you're saying they don't need tackle to address it all? No, I'm saying they don't need a guard or a, or, or a center. Okay, okay. So they need to address tackle. Yeah, and one of the reasons that the interior line ends up in green for me is because they need to address the tackle position. <laughs> So it's I'm not I'm I'm separating that part separating the offensive line into tackles and interior like outside offensive linemen and inside offensive linemen. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I got you. But I agree completely that the tackle <laughs> position is a problem. And we'll, we'll talk about that uh, <laughs> in, in a minute. Um, so we're getting on to yellow here. And, and this is where a bulk of the positions that I think need to be addressed are. The closest one to okay, in my opinion, is tight end. And we talked about this in the first segment, so we don't have to get into a ton. But, you know, you look around the, the, the teams that are still playing and the teams that played into the postseason, and you just see, you know, top end tight end, top end tight end, top end tight end, top end tight end. Even, you know, the Ravens, they don't even have Mark Andrews, but he's a top end. He might be the best tight end, right? Like, he, in terms of fantasy stats, he's probably, he's definitely up there in the top three. And the Saints just don't have that. And, you know, I... If if we if Juwan Johnson didn't close the season the way he did, this would be a red alert position for me. Yeah. He did enough in the final six games that it's like okay, maybe with that with the consistency with Derek Carr and with health, you can be that guy that we thought you might be able to be going into the season. But all that said, you know, like I'm not typically the guy who says go out in the first round and go grab a tight end. But man, Brock Bowers is just that guy, and you watch like. You know, wouldn't it be nice for the Saints to be the team that has the tight end you can't guard, right? Like, how many weeks this season did we say, man, the Saints might have won that game, but they couldn't guard TJ Hawkinson. They couldn't guard Sam Laporta. They couldn't guard, you know, Cole Komet. They won that game, but they still couldn't guard Cole Komet, right? Like, it's so infuriating to have that happen week after week after week and never be the team that's like, ah, yeah, you can't guard him. I don't know. So personally, if, if they wanted to go out and spend a premium asset on a tight end in this draft, I would be all for it. No, and it appears we won't see Jimmy Graham again. He has flown out into the great abyss or wherever he was heading in his last Instagram post. We didn't see much of him anyway. It's a shame. Got some touchdowns. You know, 
couple touchdowns to and a couple throws. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's all he really he got. got. Six catches, six passes all season, right? And then like five of them were touchdowns for him. Um but yeah. but yeah, overall, uh hoping to see Jawan take that step we were expecting early on that he finished with. Like you said, it kind of kind of ended on a nice high note there, which is great. But what what's gonna happen with Jawan going into next year? I'm still high on the guy. Just I'm, I'm convinced that there was had to be in that injury with him had to be really holding him back. Well, I mean, week 17 was the Juwan that I thought we'd see. You know, you don't need that every week, but you like, like you, you got to get it sometimes, right? And you got it in week 17, and he had that monster game, and he took over that game, right? With the injury to his shoulder, um, and so yeah, I mean, it like tight ends is tough because you, it's not never going to be. You know, I guess it can be a position where you put up the crazy numbers, like you can, you're a George Kittle or a or Zach Ertz, uh, you know, in his prime or, right. you know, Mark Andrews, you're talking about 12, 1300 yards or Jimmy Graham with all these touchdowns, Rob Ronkowski, like it can be that. Um, but like you're settling for a Dalton Schultz type season, right? Like 60 catches, eight, eight to 900 yards, eight touchdowns in that range. And, and you don't, you haven't been able to get that. And it's been a long time since the saints offense has been able to establish and dominate with the tight end position. And I'm tired of it. I want to see it. All the good offenses in the NFL have a tight end that they can that they can take advantage of in in big moments, and the Saints don't seem to have that. Um, you could argue they lost as many games because of the tight end position this year as they won because the the Lions game, man. Like, if not for that fumble for you know in the first play of the game, that was just a completely different game. So I don't know. Like, maybe maybe you look at it and you say Juwan is the guy. Uh, but I'm I'm still not sold on it. No, you definitely need to add there for sure. You can't be completely bank on Juwan, unfortunately. Yeah, so now uh, running back um, is another position that I just think you can continue to add to. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I like Kendra Miller. I like what we saw in Week 18. I think that makes you feel a little better about that situation going forward. I think you're still going to be with Alvin Kamara as your lead back next year. But how many more, like how long can you continue to to trust that? I think... You're going to get into the mid rounds of this draft and maybe a fifth, sixth round pick. You're looking at a running back, a guy you can bring in and have him compete with Jamal Williams for that RB3 job. And, you know, if Jamal comes in and looks different and wins that job, great. But I, I'm i not giving it to him. Uh, and so I'm still I'm still looking at that because I'm kind of treating this as, okay, if, if I feel like Kendra Miller can be my RB1 in a couple of years, who's the RB2? Who's coming in? And I'd like a young guy to be able to do that. So, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm still kind of looking at that. Yeah, I'm still looking for who's going to be that physical pound and ground guy, kind of guy uh, besides Taysom. I'm, I didn't like what I saw Jamal Williams at all this season. I know he was dealing with some injuries as well, but when he was in, he just didn't look to be like that that dominant physical guy you could rely on at the one-yard line. Agree completely. It just it didn't work. Unless it's victory formation, and then, hell, he's in the end zone. Didn't, yeah, it just did not happen the way you hoped. And again, maybe right. the injury slowed him down. I don't know, but you know, I, I'm still, I'm still not, I'm not looking at that and saying, oh, I'm not drafting a running back because I have these three guys. Like, uh, I'm, I still think that's a position you could add to. Now, we'll go through these next few quickly. So you're talking about the secondary CB one and two. You know, I, I only put this here because I think you're trying to trade Marshawn Lattimore. And so if you do that, then yes, you do need to add a cornerback. Probably just in terms of depth, you always want to have depth. You could also just re-sign Ike Adam if you think you have the, uh, you know, if they, you can afford That'd to do nice. that. There's a, a few ways that you could address this. 
But I think Alante Taylor has to be your outside corner next year, or Please. at least you put him in that position. And so if you do bring back Marshawn, if you don't trade Marshawn, then, you know, I don't think you do need to add a player, but you, cause you already have premium depth in Alante Taylor there. But if you do trade Marshawn and that's what your plan is, cause that's going to happen after the draft. Uh, I think the way you approach the draft is probably going to be telling of what your plans are with Marshawn. Uh, but I, like, I feel good about it. So I'm not saying you have to add a piece, but if you, if you're going to trade Marshawn, I think you're probably going to bring in a young corner. Yeah. And I would, obviously you would, I'm thinking you have Alante Paulson and you, you really need to fill that slot role because we saw that um, obviously Alante Taylor was not that dude this year. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Um, we'll get into that. Uh, so, you know, the, the next position is strong safety, free safety. It's another one where it's kind of contingent on what you do with another guy. So I think you move on from Marcus May. I just, yeah. I don't think you've gotten what you needed out of Marcus May. I don't think he's been effective. There was one week this year that he was healthy enough to play and they just didn't play him, right? Like they had him inactive. And that's just so telling of, of the impact that they felt like he was having. Uh, like he he could have he's like he he was healthy enough to play. They didn't even have him in uniform. Like you could say like oh we didn't get to go through practice. Yeah, so like Jordan Howden was sick and they didn't have him inactive. They just you know like I just don't think Marcus May is going to be back. And if not, and you go into it saying okay Jordan Howden is probably your starting safety opposite Tyron, but Tyron's thirty two thirty three right like so. I think that's a position where you probably do need to keep adding pieces. You don't necessarily need to do it early, but I'd like, you know, like Jordan Howden was a fifth round pick. I think you're just continuing to throw darts at the safety position and, and, and trying to find guys that can be quality assets. And like, I, I think you probably bring back maybe an Abram, maybe an Ugo Amadi, maybe a Lonnie Johnson. Uh, but I, I think you're probably just trying to just fill out that kind of gamut of, of players there. So I have them in that. I have that position there too. But if you bring May back, maybe, maybe Marcus Marcus May. Um, May. I I do think safety is you have it as uh, yellow or green. Yellow. Yeah, it's it's something that definitely needs uh, attention. Just because you mentioned questions with May, and then the age with Matthew, and you you know you got to like what you saw from Howden rookie year, but you can't really still rely on it too much going into year two. You do want to see, obviously, continued development there. Yeah, and I, and I just like pairing young guys with a Tyron Matthew. I, I think, like, pl young players who play next to Tyron Matthew for the first year or two years of their career will be better players than they would have been otherwise. Oh, for I sure. Think I, that's, I, I think <laughs> that's important, you know? It's like Caden Ellis isn't the player that he is today if he didn't play next to Demario Davis for three years. Just not. Um, so uh, I kind of feel like Tyron, the same way about Tyron. Uh, and, and speaking of that, like my last position is linebacker, Will mm -hmm. Mike Sam. You know, we went to this season and that was a serious concern is you don't have any depth at linebacker. What are you going to do at that position if Demario or Pete go down? Now, you never that really never became an issue, right? Yeah, Demario hurt right. his knee, but he played through it. Pete missed a game, I think. But otherwise, you know, you were you were OK with it. Um, now, you Nephi Sewell is probably not going to be ready to start next season, even if you keep him around. So you're going to need a body there. Uh, if you bring back Zach Bond, that simplifies it a little bit because you feel like he's your Sam linebacker. Um, but, you know, I'd like to see somebody added, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, yeah. again, like it's like, okay, does it need to be a second rounder? Probably not. But, you know, you have DeMarco Jackson, you have some of these guys. I just think that's a position you have to consider in terms of, 
DeMario isn't going to play forever, I think. Uh, so I don't know. That's another position that I, that I think you could add pieces. You don't have to add pieces, but I think you probably should. Yeah. The, thankfully, you might, can you imagine that, say, DeMario's injury did hamper him as much as it, like, Cam Jordan was affected this year? The Saints would have been miserable. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, because we hear now basically – Jordan playing on one leg, and I believe it. Obviously, we saw a huge dip in his numbers, very uncam like. But I mean, obviously, with Demario Davis, he seems like this ageless wonder out there. But eventually, Father Time, you know, doesn't doesn't uh, stop for anybody. Obviously, and it's going to catch up, and you got to be prepared. Uh, Pete Warner, we've seen some good things out of, but not a hundred thousand percent sold on him right now either. Yeah, I think you know. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, he's your starting will linebacker. It didn't go particularly well this season, right? But I'm still not, I'm not replacing him, you know, but I, I do, you know, I, I do want to add some depth there. And it's uh, been a position, it's been a position, going into this year, like you said, it was like, man, what the hell are they going to do with linebacker? Yeah, well, I mean, we knew it, it was always like, okay, I feel good about Pete and DeMario, but what happens if afterwards misses right. games? And you can't say, well, we didn't really have to worry about this year because this year is not relative to next year, right? Like that doesn't mean that no one's going to break their leg and suddenly you have to rely on the backup for an extended period of time. Look at the bills. Like the bills ended up in a situation uh, in that playoff game where they were down to like Dorian Smith, the Dorian Williams, a Tulane kid as they're kind of yeah. starting linebacker. And it's like, you know, uh, while Dorian Williams, I think he was a third round pick. I think he, he's a, he's a quality guy, but like, you know, that happens. And so what do you, where are you? Like, where would the Saints have been if they ended up having to give significant reps to DeMarco Jackson, right? Like uh, Nephi Sewell, who, you know, when you gave him those chances. And, you know, one guy we didn't talk about, Michael Hodges, the linebackers coach, is interviewing with the Patriots. It'll be interesting right. to see if, if he's still around. But he has developed guys, and that's probably the only – the best argument you could make to me to why, you know, you don't need to spend a premium asset on a linebacker is because you found these guys and developed these guys over the course of several seasons – but either way, I'd like to see you go find guys that you think you can develop. Um, and so that's my that's my last yellow position. So anything you need to add to that before we move on to the the red alert positions? No, it sounds good. Let's what are we what are we having? Red alert. Well, the first position is really two positions, but it's right tackle and left tackle. Okay. And this becomes an even bigger concern because it's both. If it was one, you feel like, okay, we can go address one. We can find a way. If it's both, which you don't know if it's going to be both, but man, I don't know how you can look at Ryan Ramchick right now and be like, well, we don't have to come up with a contingency for if right. he retires, right? Or or at very least, if he's not as effective as, as he needs to be, right? So, I mean, you're looking at it and saying, man, we drafted a left tackle in the first round, and this is something Scott Shanley talked about. When you miss on those big guys in the first round, it really sets you back. And Trevor Penning, while the team is not saying that they're quit on him, like they think they're hoping that they can give him an offseason program and have him come back and develop and be that left tackle. I don't know how you – again, I don't think you can bet on it. So what are you going to do? Like you got to get at least somebody who profiles as a, as a left tackle and – you know, those are tough guys to find. See, this uh, is yeah, this is where it's like drafting. I don't know. I think you need somebody veteran here to bring in. Yeah, well, right. So you're gonna trust a rookie, like you already had trouble developing a rookie. And, right. You know, 
and, and it's like at 14, it's not easy to find. Like that's the, the, the premium left tackles usually don't get to that spot. Maybe they do this year because of the quarterbacks at the top. And because a guy like Brock Bowers probably goes in the top 10, which is not a position you typically see a tight end, a Marvin Harrison Jr. probably goes in the top 10. So that's five picks already that helps push some of the offensive line prospects down the board. So maybe you are able to get one of your top options and that helps you at one of those positions. Uh, but one way or the other, you are not getting very far if you don't have left tackles. And maybe you maybe bring back Andres Pete, maybe... You know, like my my issue is his market might be a little steeper than you're able to mark than you're able to swim in, right? Like the the water that you're trying to go in might be That's a little too deep. To think about uh, it is, but it's like I know you know you're talking about a a guy who can play left tackle and left guard, and a lot of teams like that. Um, and so we'll see. But no, and I I mean he gets a ton of crap from fans, and obviously he doesn't get so much anymore. No, what is what he was able to do when filling in at the left tackle spot? It was ama- It was really amazing how s- the easy transition was for him, and how much better overall the O line started performing. I, I will say I, I don't want to call it an easy transition, but I will say how easy he made it look because that's right. not there an easy go. transition, right. but he made it look like it was. Um, and yeah, so you know if you can keep him around, that keeps that 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 at least makes you feel a little better about it. Like then you can go into the draft and say, okay, we feel like Andres Pete can play left tackle if we need him. And if Trevor does play like show good enough and we can kick Andres to guard and have Hurst be the swing guy and maybe back up Trevor. Like that makes it a lot easier because then you can maybe draft a right tackle prospect and have him as that contingency. If Ryan Ramchek can't go or if Ryan Try, can go, but then gets hurt or just his knee gives out on him and you have that guy ready to plug in. That's, to me, the ideal scenario. But it's all going to come down to, man, is there a bidding war for Andres Pete? <sighs> I don't know. Either way, that's going to be a huge position to watch. That is kind of your red alert position because if yeah. you can't get Andres Pete back, <laughs> Trevor doesn't work out, Ryan retires. Yikes. Big Yikes. Like that could end your season before it starts. Like genuinely, like that's why it's a red alert situation. Because if you, if the worst case scenario comes through at left and right tackle, which is what I just explained, even if you spend the 14 pick, you can spend your first two picks on tackles. It's still going to be a nightmare because Derek Carr's not running around. You don't have a Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen or somebody that can make these offensive linemen look better than they are. Not at you all, got a guy no. who needs, you, you saw him play better at the end of the season. It's, in large part because he got pass protection. It's going to be a long season if you don't if you don't have that right that, that that tackle situation figured out. So that is my biggest red alert position. I have one more that's not as as important, but it's still important. No, that one's definitely the reddest of red alerts for sure. You need, and obviously Derek Carr will agree. Please get me some help up front. Yes, I agree. The other position is slot cornerback, and. In a lot of cases, I wouldn't look at this and say, well, that's its own position. But in today's NFL, it's his own position. Yeah. Um, and, you know, over the last two years, this defense hasn't had the teeth that I think that we we saw from it in the 2020 season and the 2021 season. We have not seen it be as dominating, as aggressive. And you can draw a direct line between that and C.J. Gardner-Johnson leaving. Hmm, guy that's um, in the right place at the right time had a pick in the against the Buccaneers the other day. 
Yeah, and, and, and I mean, like, I understand you had to move on from him. It's like you weren't going to pay him, and and he was going to be a, a you know, a like a, like a impossible person to have in your locker room. I get it. That said, you haven't replaced him. Nope. Bradley Roby was serviceable in the slot. Let he wasn't go. good. Alante Taylor was willing in the slot. He's not a slot cornerback. He's not. You benched him in two of your last three games. He's not a slot cornerback. Stop. Don't do it. Please but stop. You do need to get a slot cornerback. And, you know, I, I, if, if, if you look at it and say, you know, maybe we put Tyron in that role, which I don't think that's going to work. Maybe you put Ugo in that role as your starting slot corner, but man, that's a low end option. I don't know. Like, I'd like you to go out and try to find a slot corner, like a premium slot cornerback, whether it's free agency, you know, and I know they don't want to pay that position, but man, I don't know how you can look at these last two seasons and look at some of the inefficiencies in terms of stopping the run and tackling and being aggressive and not look and not kind of point to that slot cornerback position. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind, it, you know, and I kind of look at it like, you know, it's, it's similar to me in the draft is you look at, okay, well, you can get a left tackle, but you can only get them at the top end. Whereas you can get the top, the uh, top interior line option in the second round, a lot of the time, or at the end of the first round. Right. So you should be like, it's the same thing with cornerbacks, like outside corners, the elite outside corners are going to go in the first round and maybe the second round, the, the pre, like the guys who profile as a slot corner, you know, maybe that is a second round pick. So I, I don't know if I'm the saints, I'm, I'm scouting these guys and I'm looking for, the top-rated slot corner prospect. And I'm being aggressive, and I'm going out and getting them. Because I just think this defense needs that. They need that position to have teeth. It can't be a guy who's getting attacked. And if he is getting attacked, he needs to go out and make plays. And I think when this defense struggled, it was in the slot, um, covering, covering tight ends, right? Covering the middle of the field, coming up in run fit, tackling in space. Uh, you know, like, I just think that to me, that's that's a mission critical piece of this defense that has not been good enough either the last two seasons. And, you, and the results have have shown that um, even when when CJ was out in 2021, right in, in the games he missed, you saw this defense be a lot less effective. Uh, it's a good, that's my last red alert position is like, I don't I don't I don't it doesn't I'm not saying you have to address it a certain way, but you do have to address it. You know, and I hate to I hate to tell you, well, you know who's going to be a free agent this offseason? Is he, Mister Gardner Johnson? Yeah, he signed a one year deal with the Lions. Yeah, obviously we'll see what happens over there, but it, I don't know. That's I don't know if he burned bridges here or not, but he seemed more of a Peyton guy than a DA guy. Oh, you burned bridges, hundred <laughs> percent. There's no way they bring him back. There's no way, uh, but they could, and I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it, but I think some people might hate it. <laughs> I'm, uh, fans would love it maybe people in the locker room would hate That's it I don't saying. know yeah I'm not saying yeah. I think the yeah and he has and he does like it is interesting because it's a different coaching staff right like Marcus Robertson Joe Woods they were not here when CJ was was here right so it's more just the DA thing like did DA burn the bridges did the front office burn the br- I don't know uh, yeah because he, he clearly has no problems with Dan Campbell or Aaron Glenn yeah, 
I don't know. But, Maybe it was a Christmas. Yeah, track, I, I could I could see how that that personality can run its course though anywhere. Oh yeah, I mean the Eagles didn't keep him around. He led no, the league right, in interceptions. Exactly. He right. led the NFL in interceptions. And they were like, bye. And missed like six games. And they were like, yeah, Crazy. good. See ya. So it's like, it's, you know, it, and maybe, maybe learn from that. Who knows? I don't know. Cause like at a certain point, you got to look in the mirror and be like, maybe it is me. No, but, but you, you talk about, you know, some attitude on the defense. He definitely, huge part of that, obviously, cause you see that now. They're not, there's not that same swagger to whatever you want to call. You still got DeMario and Taran Matthew, Cam Jordan, guys like that. But man, oh man, CJ Gardner Johnson, the button pusher is fantastic. Tone setter, button pusher. Like as annoying, like it, it's, it's it's like it, there are certain guys who it's like, yeah, I get it. He's tough to handle in the locker room, but he does like it's like you can't well, you can't really put a price point on like getting people fired up, right? Like and getting I don't know, like it's just I just haven't seen that with this defense over the last two years. And and I don't know if the Saints need that. I don't know, but I do know they need a they need a top end slot cornerback. And so I need them to go find one this year. And I haven't done a lot of scouting yet to kind of identify who the top rated slot guys are in, in the draft. And it's tough because defenses in college don't necessarily play the same way. So you don't, you, you, you don't get really an A to B comparison, but I do think to me, that's something that this year I really need to see them invest some time and not just say, well, let's see if we can make it work with this guy, like get a guy who that's their job and, and we'll go from there. But that's the last position I have. You got anything else before we get out of here? No, I'm a huge one for that too, just because I'm frust- I was frustrated all year just for Alante and hoping that he gets back to the outside and we get to see more of uh, him shining more in this in his defense because I know he's capable of a hell of a lot more. Agreed. But all right, let's wrap up this podcast. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This is Inside Black and Gold. I want to come back later this week and get into our first mock draft, the one that will be completely wrong as opposed to future ones, which are probably just going to be mostly wrong. Because it's just going to be a complete guess, but I do think it'll be a good. I think it'll be a good baseline, pre-senior bowl mock draft, and then we can build from there. That'll be our 1.0, and uh, we do. We just need to decide which uh, which mock draft website we're going to use. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, which one's the best. It's all the same. The only problem is some of them. It's like different, you know, uh, scouting reports or whatever they decide to use, and it's like, okay, which one out of all this do I pick now? Yeah, last year we used Pro Football Focus, but I think they put it under like a subscription, which I have. But uh, I mean, we'll see. But that, that'll be that'll be something for coming this week. So keep an eye out for that. And then obviously we'll just be getting into Locking more offseason draft stuff, offensive coordinator search. I expect next couple of weeks we'll get an idea uh, and probably get a hire, uh, hopefully before the Senior Bowl. So we'll get into that. But that is for another day. Thank you everyone for listening. This is Inside Black. Now you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noack. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller, WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. And you can check out the latest news notes and analysis at WWL.com. Thanks, everyone, for getting all the way to the end. Why? Why are you still here? Diehard Saints fans, baby. They're crazy. Maybe. Maybe that's it. But all right. Who that? Go Saints.